You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Panic looking to throw on third and goal to the unzone touchdown. Red Ellison. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Thanks for tuning in. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. We are recording this on a Thursday night, right as the 8 o'clock broadcast for the first game of the year, the um, Falcons Eagles game on. So you might hear some random, spontaneous shouting and cheering and throwing things at the TV as we're recording this. So just a heads up. Just a heads up. Uh, we're excited. Uh, I haven't, it hasn't really fully hit me that it's this weekend. I'm, I'm, Really stoked. Oh, it's it's hit me, Grump. I doing my final packing for my first of three Gator Giant doubleheaders this year. Uh, heading down to Gainesville to see the Gator Florida Kentucky game. Seven AM flight from Gainesville through Atlanta, get to Newark at eleven twenty where the Grump will be picking me up and we head to Giant Stadium. So you can follow that action on Twitter at the Cranky Fan for all of my travel exploits. And when it comes to the Giants game and all things Giants, you can follow me at football underscore grump. Uh, I could even piss and moan about how I'm waiting for Mike. <laughs> um, but but in all seriousness, uh, we tweet all podcast stuff on those accounts as well, as well as Just Giants Pod. And uh, the podcast is on iTunes and SoundCloud. So please, this season has started. Let's start this year off on a better foot than last year. Um, give us a listen. We're we're doing our our first preview of the year. I'm excited. Yeah. So we start right out of the box with a very difficult opponent. And if you look at the schedule for the first seven weeks, a lot of the prognosticators and some of the bullshit ESPN, FPI, where they call it, say it's our best chance to win a game in the next the first seven weeks. So we get right into it with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and, and the beginning of this. Probably the first four games are super brutal. Um, I mean, this this is a tough matchup. This is not one that works to their f- strengths. No, not at all. I mean, the thing we are most concerned about, we've discussed it ad nauseum, is the offensive line. And they will be taken to the test right away. You know, can we can we run block? Can we pass block against the, the best statistical defense in the NFL last year? Yeah, and it's a solid question. But, I mean, the one thing working, I would think, in our favor, the game is being played at 1 o'clock in MetLife Stadium. Uh, you know, a home opener first week of the season, I can't remember the last time we had that. I mean, the, our home opener is usually in fucking Dallas. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm hoping that the crowd is as amped as, as you and I are because it's been so long since we've had a 1 p.m. home opener uh, week one, you know? Yeah, well, you know, the... Anybody who was listening to this is a Giants season ticket holder or goes to a lot of games at Giants Stadium knows that the one o'clock Sunday game has the most, the largest quantity of actual season ticket holders and Giant fans. So that can go one or two ways. You have lots of blue bloods who are getting up in age and may not be as rowdy, or you're going to have the dumbasses from other teams who show up because it's a night game and a lot of them sell their tickets. So. I think, you know, if there's 
cautious optimism with this fan base. I don't think everybody's bought in completely yet that, uh, you know, getting out of the Ben McAdoo era is definitely something we're all very happy with, but I think they're going to see, need to see results on the field before this fan base is truly behind this team. I mean, we were three and 13 last year. We've made the playoffs once in five years. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of potential. There's also a lot of danger ahead of us also. So I think there's a little bit of a, a wait-and-see approach. Um, we're, we're playing a team that we don't traditionally play, so there's not that big rivalry. I mean, I expect to see just a handful of Jaguar fans in the stands. You know, it's not like we're playing Dallas or even some team like New Orleans or Atlanta where they have a lot of fans come up. You know, Jacksonville is pretty limited in their fan base, you know, besides the North Florida area. They don't have that stud marquee guy that you know lots of, of uh jerseys are sold around the country so it'll be an interesting crowd um but i know that grump and i will be excited so you will probably hear us on the broadcast screaming and yelling <clears throat> that's that's correct um the the bogus storyline in my opinion is the tom coughlin return to metlife stadium nonsense uh I think a lot of people forgot that he's not the coach of the Jaguars or the GM even. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's it's a nice storyline. I love Tom Coughlin and all that he had done for this team. I, I like his style of coaching. But, you know, he's not had elbow-deep work into this, this team. I mean, he joined the Jaguars last year. They were already pretty stacked with talent. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fully expecting, and I – would really hope that the Giants have some sort of little like scoreboard tribute to the guy because he's back. Absolutely, uh, he he's well earned it. He he's in the ring of honor. Me. But but one of the things we are going to watch for uh, the injuries. Um, the Giants have kind of four guys to keep eyes on, maybe maybe five, but really only two that are truly injured. Um, and the biggest one is Olivier Vernon, and that's a huge hit. He had a some kind of incident in practice where he sustained a high ankle sprain. He has not yet practiced this week. At this point, I'm saying he's not playing whatsoever. You know, maybe they dress him just to screw up any sort of game planning that Jacksonville has, but I can't imagine him really trotting out to the field. You don't miss with high ankle sprains. They're no. not something where it's just like, oh, give him a shot at cortisone or something, and away we go. I mean, those are things that can linger for – month, six weeks, yeah. eight weeks. I mean, they're, they are nothing to mess around with. So when I hear high ankle sprain, I get very nervous. So, and I think, yeah, for sure. He's the, uh, on defense, he's the biggest injury concern I have right now. Yeah. The other one is Tay Davis. Who's the backup inside linebacker has a bit of a sore hamstring, which is not a serious injury. He's also mostly a special teams player. So he may play anyway. If he's, if he's only on specials, they may just throw him out there, you know, on kickoffs, however many there may be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been watching Evan Ingram sustain a concussion, not in the Patriots game, but in the Jets game, uh, in a really brutal-looking hit. He's out of the concussion protocol now. He's out of concussion protocol, but, you know, it's such a tricky thing with the head. We don't know. You know, does that mean just because he's out of concussion protocol, he's 100%? Probably not. Is no. he probably 90%? Could be. You know, it's... Uh, it's going to be one of those things is how he feels, how the medical staff feels, and how the coaching staff feels with him. So, you know, you might see limited use of him, and, you know, it sustains another hit or something. He could be out pretty quickly, too, so it's precaution. So anything we get out of him is a bonus, but I'm not expecting to see a lot of production out of him or a lot of usage out of him. I mean, he has the benefit of at least he didn't 
play in the fourth preseason game at all. So it's been a couple of weeks. So, um, I mean, I, I expect, I not that I expect it um, in terms of I think the coaching staff should do this, but I expect it as an I think it's going to happen. I think we'll see a little bit more of him than that. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, those are tough to tell. With yeah, head injuries are going to be extra cautious, extra, extra, extra cautious. So, again, if uh, we only see him for a handful of plays, or we don't see him at all, even, I think it's completely understandable. And oh, you know, sure, it's a long, yeah. it, it's it's a long season, and this is not a must must win as much as we want to think it's a must win. You know, there's a lot more to worry about than than just this game. So, anything we see out of him, I think, is a bonus. Absolutely. Um, obviously. We haven't seen Barkley in a couple of weeks. He's returned to practice as a full participant because of a sore hamstring that he sustained just running, basically. Uh, running a route, stretching out for a catch. He may, yeah, he reached out for a catch, made a great catch, and and, and uh, tweaked his hammy a little bit. We haven't seen much of him at all, to be very honest. I mean, other than four carries in that first game? Yep. I mean, everybody, you know, that, that first run, everybody's talked about, you know, nonstop. But other than that, we really haven't seen him at all, and... To go into you know your first NFL regular season game with that little amount of actual game time is a is a concern to me. I can't just blow it off and say, oh, I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Jonathan Stewart where he's a vet after ten years and it's like, oh, don't worry about it. He'll be ready to go. I mean, he's still a rookie. Yeah, he is still learning this playbook. He is still learning what it's like to be a professional. So I am a little concerned going into the first game. Now, if he runs for 21 carries and 170 yards and a touchdown, eh, I'll feel fine. But until then, I'm going to be a little, I'll be definitely going to be watching and see his stamina, his knowledge of the playbook, all those type of things. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that they might ease him in at first, but by the end of the game, we'll see him get the, the, the most, I guess, play time since he'll be just as much a risk threat as a receiver as he will be a runner um Mm -hmm. so combined combined yards i think he'll outweigh everybody else um with the exception of maybe odell beckham who's our last person on the list you know i think at this point we're all pretty sure that his ankle is fine but we've seen none of him we've seen none of him and you're right (laughs) we're going from zero to 60 with him you know we're asking him to play four quarters where (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's done all the reps in practice and they've held him out of, you know, he hasn't been a hundred percent for every rep and every practice is uh pre you know, training camp as well. So you might see, and again, it's a whole new offense too. different routes, different plays. It'll be, you know, this can be something they have to ease him into a little bit. And before you, I mean, I'd be very surprised to see 12 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns out of him. Now, of course, him and Barkley might both do that because I said they wouldn't, but you know, let, let's temper our expectations a little bit. Um, we, we expect that right out of the gate with those two guys. Yeah, and, and remember, we haven't seen any of this, so we have no grounds to make any predictions, but the coaching staff has seen them in practice, and mm-hmm. they know what they're going to throw at them based on what they've seen in practice. Yeah, and don't listen to the lip service you've heard from the coaching staff You know, from this point to now. You'll see with your own eyes, you know, the routes they're running, the usage they are, how much they're on the field, all those different things. So that'll be your indications of the of the health of these guys going back. Um, I guess unfortunately is is an awkward word to use, but unfortunately for the Giants, the Jacksonville injury uh, list is much, much shorter. 
Um, most notably is Marquise Lee is out for the season with multiple ligament damage in his knee from a preseason game. And that was a big pickup for them. He was, he was going to be an integral part of this offense and he is no more. Um, a limited wide receiving core to begin with. Yeah. And so, and with a limited quarterback that this team has. So (laughs) he was, he was really going to be one of the guys that we would have to key in on on defense, and now that's not really the case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the other the other big injury we just saw come across the uh, the Twitter sphere about an hour or so ago is our old friend, that fucker from Florida State, Jalen Ramsey. Apparently, has a bit of an ankle issue right now. Who? He's now <laughs> exactly um, the guy who we don't know what his name is, but the big mouth. Apparently now has an, an an ankle issue enough that it's now on the official injury report. So, um, he's gonna play. Oh, he's, he's definitely he's definitely gonna play. But it's just something interesting to note that, you know, this late in the week, all of a sudden something popped up. I yeah. believe I truly believe he does have something wrong. I don't think it's a, you know, you can't deceive on injury report if you're on it when you're not really supposed to be on it or vice versa. There are heavy fines to the team. So I don't think they just threw it on there, but, uh, you know, for someone I think will be overmatched by Beckham anyway, because I personally think he's overrated. I thought that back in college, you know, we might see a, a, a Josh Norman situation where he gets toasted time and time again. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. The other big one isn't necessarily an injury, but Dante Fowler is suspended for the first four games. So that's a big part of their defensive line. That is correct. Absolutely. We, we noticed that on, on the show when this was announced. This was announced probably back in July, I think, mm-hmm. or June. It was a while ago when that was announced. So Yeah. Uh, but and, then he, and then he also got suspended from the team for a week for conduct unbegoming of the team. I think him and Jalen Ramsey both got that. Uh, oh, you're right, because of, because of the way they were talking to the media or something like that. Yes, yeah. So. Silly, silly shit. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two other guys. These are definitely worth noting. But they'll definitely play. Uh, but Jeremy Parnell, the right tackle, and Linder, the center, both, you know, this offensive line is is quite good. And it was quite good last year, and they've they've upgraded with Andrew Norwell this year. But, you know, if- <laughs> ironically, the, 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 the weakest link was one of our free agent signings. Yeah. So that tells you something. Yeah. Um, but – you know, it's important to note that these guys may be a little gimpy. Um, and if one of them goes down, that, that plays significantly into the Giants' favor. Um, sure. You know, I, I I can't really say whether the right tackle or the center is a bigger deal. Probably the center, um, just based on the fact that, you know, pressure up the middle is always harder to deal with as a quarterback than pressure on the edge. I also think that you're catching this team at the right time where before a defensive unit and to be fair, an offensive line unit really starts to gel. Mm -hmm. It takes a couple of games to play 60 minutes together before that. So you might see sloppiness on both sides, but I think, you know, before they are out and out just in our backfield, every single play, we might be able to get away with some stuff tomorrow, which we may not in week five or six. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, how the first couple of weeks is like an extended preseason. We see sloppiness all around the league the first couple of games. Absolutely. We see guys 
bending over to catch some wind. We see all sorts of things like that. So it's uh, it's definitely an opportunity when you see a mismatch, you have a chance to kind of level the playing field a bit before, you know, what we expect actually happens over a longer sample size of a season. Yeah. So so let's talk about the big matchups to watch. And you already uh, hinted at your take on one, so why don't you just finish it off? Uh, Odell Beckham versus Jalen Ramsey. Well, I mean, in a perfect universe, if both guys were healthy, it might be a little more of an interesting matchup to see. I mean, again, we're waiting to see what Beckham is truly 100%. Uh, if Jalen Ramsey actually does have an ankle inju- injury that's more than just uh, psychological games or not, Um I think Jalen Ramsey's game is more on hype than anything else. And again, that goes back all the way to his days at Florida state. Um, Let's see if he can, you know, the Norman thing with, with, with Beckham, Odell Beckham abused him. People seem to forget that they remember, they remember the fighting, they remember the lip, the, you know, the, the talk trash talking, but the fact that Odell has owned him on the field. And I think the same thing could happen on Sunday. You know, Beckham now has been in the league. This is going to be his fifth year in the league, I believe. Yep. He's a veteran now. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey's still getting his feet wet in this league. And this is one of the more difficult assignments, especially now that, you know, composed, compared to last year where we have an offense that will be a little more multiple, a little more unpredictable. You know, having uh, Barkley in the backfield where, you know, you have a running option as well as a guy who can pass out of the backfield. It's not all just trying to shoehorn it into Beckham every single play. So it, it, that, that's obviously the matchup everybody's going to be looking at and seeing. And you know, I think you're going to know pretty early if this is something where you know, Jalen Ramsey has no chance or it's going to be a nice type battle. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Jalen Ramsey's overrated as well. I, I think he's a very good corner, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's the best corner in the league. I, I don't even think he's in the top three. But even even if he was, you know, the best wide receiver in the league versus the best corner in the league almost always plays into the favor of the wide receiver anyway mm-hmm. um, when it comes to just a one-on-one matchup. I mean, obviously, it's a team game, and there are tons of other factors involved. But, I mean, sure. just on that, just the one-on-one, just based on the nature of how, how the game is played, the wide receiver just has an advantage anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, given that, like you said, Jalen Ramsey is not far out from being a rookie. Um, and, you know, just generally speaking, I don't, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's very good, but a lot of hype around him. And quite frankly, if this defense in general wasn't that good, I mean, he would be talked about as the only good spot on the team. Like, you know, in the same way that Nambi right. Asamoah was in Oakland before he became nothing after right. that. Uh, you know. It's not a good sign when your best player on your team is your cornerback. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some teams might, you know, there might be situations where he's the most hyped up guy. You know, sure. Like, like a Deion yeah. like Sanders was, who truly, you know, might have been the best player on our team because he was a once in a genera- generational cover cornerback. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tackle worth a damn. And he's a big mouth, but, you know, he could cover. <laughs> so, sure, yeah. But again, we're talking about a guy like a once in a generation kind of guy. I think when it comes to this matchup, it's going to be. People will look at the numbers and say that Beckham won. Yeah. And it also leads into it. I think it's the second key to the game is how well is this offensive line in its first 60 minute, you know, test going to go against one of the best defensive lines in football. Sure. And I that's, mean, that's certainly a matchup to watch. Yeah. I mean, that's something where I think we're going to know right away that, you know, if that right side of the lineup is just, you know, 
I don't think there's going to be a after six weeks a referendum on. Well, is Eric Flowers going to be? You know, do we need to replace? Ryan? I think we're going to know right away that that experiment's going to either pass or be horribly unsuccessful. And you know, we're facing a defensive line where he's going to be tested and he's going to be targeted. I'm very curious to see how this coaching staff is going to react to that and how they're going to adjust. You know, what kind of help they're going to give the right side, especially Flowers. He's not going to be left on an island like he was last year. But the question is going to be how much help is going to be required and how is that going to impact our scheme, our game, you know, game plan, our play calling. So, yeah, I actually think the matchup is going to end up being in Gakwe versus Nate Solder because I think they're going to give Eric Flowers some help. And it's going to be Nate Solder who's got to step up one on one more often than not against a good pass rusher. You know, whether or not that's a good plan, I, I don't really know. I just. This coaching staff knows its weaknesses and where to put the help. And mm-hmm. it, it, we've seen it in the preseason. Like, this this is not a mystery to us anymore. So we know that this coaching staff is aware that Eric Flowers is not an elite right tackle. They know that. Um, but they think that they can get by with him if they just give him a little bit of chip help out of the backfield or throw a tight end over there or even two tight ends over there. Um, so I think the real matchup to watch is if Nate Solder can hold up versus Ngakwe or Calais Campbell or whoever gets stuck over there against him. Right, right. Um, and, and I'm we'll guessing see right I'm, away I'm, if his money was worth it. And I'm guessing that Campbell will probably be the one who's lined up against Flowers most likely. I think that this defense is smart enough to just move guys around until they find the right formation. I mm-hmm. think that they have a general game plan, but they're their whole plan is to keep moving until they find something that works and just abuse it. Okay. So maybe, maybe not. Um, he might just, you know, he might be going against Omame and Jalapio. Mm-hmm. He might just rush from the interior, which is certainly something that Campbell is, is capable of doing. Well, that's the other question too, is uh, how's Jalapio going to hold up? <laughs> that's a, you know, he kind of won the battle, but, you know, does anybody really feel like he is a, you know, a long-term solution at center or just something like this is what we're going to have for this year and, you know, try to upgrade, you know, next year? I mean, I none of us have seen regular seasons, so none of us can say that. Personally, right. I've already started scouting centers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I kind of agree that, you know, this might be a 2018 solution. There's one other thing that I want to take a look at, and that is... You know, whether it be Olivier Vernon or Lorenzo Carter or Connor Barwin, but whoever matches up against Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Robinson, I know a lot of Giants fans because Eric Flowers is not very good. You know, it was somebody they want to target, but he he is far from being an elite left tackle. Um, he's mm-hmm. got he's a big lumbering body. He tends to lose his balance. You know, a lot of the same issues that Eric Flowers has, you know, ducks his head a little bit. Right. Um, and I honestly think that his confidence can get shaken if he gets, you know, if he gets behind in the battle early. So it's going to be interesting to see what James Betcher throws at Cam Robinson, which, in my opinion, at this point, is probably the weakest link on that offensive line. He's still good, but. Did we also see today that Lorenzo Carter is also on the injury list now? I didn't see that. What? I thought I saw that, that he is now also on the injury list. Yes, but he's on the injury list with an illness. Um, he, you know, that's one of the things where if he, you know, got all dehydrated because it was pretty gross outside, he might have thrown up and left practice early. 
mm-hmm. and then officially has to be listed. Um, you know, somebody who leaves practice early with an illness makes me think it's not like the flu or something. I would think that today is Thursday. By Sunday, he'll be all right. Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah, I would say probably if something like an illness, like a let's say he's out for twenty four hours and he takes another day to get his health, his uh, you know, his strength back. I, I don't think it should be a problem. Yeah. Um. All right. So, how did the Giants win this game? They win this game by you know the same basic things that we've always been saying. You know, no turnovers and. Can they run the ball? Can they execute on third and ones and, you know, field position? I think you can, you know, just remember, this is still Blake Bortles as their quarterback. Absolutely. And everybody, you know, we don't know how it happened, but Blake Bortles went to the AFC Championship game. I have a feeling that that's an exception more than a rule for what his career will be with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, It'll be a nice test to see with this new defense. Can we put pressure on the guy? Force him to make mistakes. I said we can have no turnovers against their defense. We have to force turnovers. Yeah, I'm gonna pass agree rush, with that. Yeah. Pass rush, secondary. Um, shorten the field. Give us easier opportunities to score. I mean, I think that's the biggest difference. I think if you give them short fields, you know, or give us long fields where we're, you know, starting from our own 15 or our own 10-yard line, it's a very tough defense to go 80, 90 yards against to score. I, I think that the key here is to, on defense, stop Leonard Fournette, make Blake Bortles be a quarterback. Um, yeah. he, if you force him to throw downfield and keep everything that's short, short of the sticks, it's going to be a disaster for Jacksonville. I mean, you know, if you watch what happens to Blake Bortles when he's under pressure, particularly up the middle, he turns into this massive turnover machine. And I don't mean necessarily turning the ball over, but wild throws almost spiking into the ground near fumbles all the time. Jacksonville seems like a team. If you can get an early lead on them, you can give a much, much greater chance. I mean, that sounds like an obvious cliche, but not necessarily. There are some teams that are built for the quick score. Um, this is not one of them at all. No. No. Uh, so if they get behind and they have to try and, you know, run the ball a bunch of times to score, it's going to take, you know, six-minute drive if you have a good defense. You know, they won't and have the Bortles, luxury to do that. And Bortles is not the type of guy you expect to kind of matriculate down the field with, you know, 10-yard out, 10-yard out. No, you know, no, yeah. Precision, running a hurry-up offense to score, you know, that's not him either. So it's not quick strike, and it's not that, you know, Nickel I'm going to needle it. Nickel diamond to death. No, they need to, they need to run the ball and have him be effective and, you know, surgical when he's passing so again it sounds like a cliche but get the lead don't don't fall into a hole early oh definitely not no because Um, i also the other problem to me would be if we fall behind early you don't want that defense ping their ears back because with an offensive line we're worried about you send them out to you know to to end it you know they'll put they'll put eli six feet under yeah and and that's exactly how they're designed they're designed to Eat up the clock, score points slowly, and get a lead. Let the defense take over where the where the the real talent is. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, offensively for the Giants, I think in order to slow down that pass rush, they're going to have to use a lot of screens and play action and high tempo offense to slow them down, get them winded. You know, 
force them to think twice before using speed rushes. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a nice advantage having Saquon Barkley to do that as opposed to Paul Perkins <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big big advantage. And I, I honestly think that it's within the team's talent to do the things necessary to win this game. That being said, what is your prediction for this game? I believe when we did our preseason predictions back in June or July, I had us as a loss in pen. Good guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I still think it's going to be a loss, but I'm going to kind of raise it from a pen to pencil. Um, you know, obviously before we, you know, we made these changes, you know, our predictions was before the training camp and all the changes that happened in the roster. We had what? an eighth of our roster flip from that time. Yeah. I mean, it's still changing. It's pretty, it's pretty significant. Uh, Again, nothing super significant for those changes, you know, maybe one or two starters on each side of the ball, but you know, I, you know, again, if Jalen Ramsey really is injured, that is a factor. Oh, sure. Uh, A factor which we couldn't, you know, when we did our predictions, we didn't say anything about, we assumed nobody was hurt and we're just going on with, you know, our picks. We also didn't say at the time that Olivier Vernon would be hurt either. So um, the weather's going to be okay. It's not going to be super hot and super steamy. I think it's only going to be like 70 degrees and cloudy on Sunday. Perfect. Which, thank God, because I'm (laughs) going to be recovering from heat exhaustion from the night before in Gainesville. But, um that's a benefit for us. Um, I still do not think we are going to win, but I think it's going to be a closer game because I think that we will do enough to make Blake Bortles uncomfortable. I don't know necessarily going to do what I, you know, prescribe for them to do is take the lead and, you know, make Bortles beat them. I think, you know, we will be behind, but I do not think Blake Bortles will have the opportunity to beat us and, you know, do a lot of things to make that get out of control because talent wise, they have more talent than us. One to, 53. I will say we will probably lose this game somewhere in the 21-17 range. I am going to agree with you. Uh, I had this as a loss in Penn way back in the offseason. A lot's changed since then, you know, roster-wise, etc. You know, I didn't, we didn't know that Dante Fowler would be suspended, I don't think, at that time. Uh, we know about Marquise Lee. We didn't, we didn't know, know about, about Marquise that. Lee. That's that's a big deal. Uh, I took that into yeah. account when I we talked about this. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, like you said, I, and I don't want to waste anybody's time by repeating everything you said, but it's all very valid. At the same time, uh, we had nothing to go on for the Giants except for wondering. Uh, now that I've seen what this offense looks like, what this defense looks like, I feel a lot better than I did then. Um, you know, all of my optimism then was based on what could be and now i've I've really truly seen what what happens when these guys are on this on the field together keeping in mind it is preseason but it my optimism is a little higher based on what i think i'm going to see yeah exactly i'm not i'm not doubling down on my bet here but it's everything is moving along as i hoped it would and therefore i feel better about it I still think we lose, but you said twenty-one seventeen. I actually have written down twenty-three seventeen Jacksonville. Um, you know, I, I think the turnovers come at all the worst times for the Giants, but I do think they put some significant pressure on Jacksonville. I think it'll be close. I think we'll be there until the conclusion of the fourth quarter. We're not going to be walking out mid-third quarter like most of last year. 
No, no, no. Uh, what will be the biggest surprise you think will happen on Sunday? Eli Apple getting a pick. I was going to say a special teams punt or kickoff return of more than 40 yards. For the Giants? Yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. That would definitely be a surprise. I mean, I, I'm picking Eli Apple getting a pick because I – and I, I think it's a great thing for him. I think it would get his confidence up, which I think is really what he's lacking. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, it comes from pressuring Blake Bortles and letting him make stupid decisions. I think that in the meeting room all week they were hammering, you know, throw at 24. And when he gets under pressure, he's just going to look up, know where 24 is, and throw towards him and do something stupid. And, you know, Eli Apple is not a bad corner. So I think he'll take advantage. I think so, too. You're right. He's not lack of talent, lack of God-given ability. It's just, you know, getting his head on straight and putting everything together. Sure. And maybe something like a pick early on in the first game, you know, that might be the springboard for him to build on that for the rest of the season. I should hope so. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we uh, before we sign off, we're going to do our new feature, like our 60 seconds around the NFC East. Right now, tonight, the Eagles are playing the Falcons. I mean, we can give our predictions now on this right now. It might seem foolish by the time this comes out, but... Um, I don't understand why Philly is a one-point uh, one underdog at home in a game like this. I understand, you know, what the quarterback situation might be. I think Philly wins this, you know, by 10. I would say something like 24-14. I don't understand why they're a one-point underdog either. At the same time, I think that Steve Sarkeesian is bitter about the way he played called the playoff game i think that atlanta you know under matt ryan so the last what 10 years or so has About, been yeah. has been just regular season warriors playoff stinkers and i think that trend continues i think that they are just going to be very good during the regular season this year and bomb in the playoffs like they always do i think that also steve sarkeesian has a better idea of what jim schwartz does on defense i think atlanta takes it to him it's, I think it's close until they start to run away with it in the fourth quarter. I think Atlanta wins by 13. I think Steve Sarkeesian might be one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Oh, I, oh, I agree he, with you. He has a proven track record in college in the NFL for being terrible. Yeah, so Washington at Arizona. Oh, we are starting the Alex Smith regime. Uh, actually, in a stadium where he had one of his biggest successes when he won the Fiesta Bowl for undefeated Utah. However, that was a long, long time ago. Um, it was Urban Meyer days? That was Urban Meyer's last game as coach at Utah before he went to Florida. Having said that, I don't trust a Washington team going across the country. Um, Arizona, I think, is going to be very good this year, but I think Arizona wins. I think I just can't get a read on Washington yet. They could be you know, the second best team in the division. They could be the worst in the division. I'm going to go. Arizona wins this one in a another stinker. Let's say 13-10. Um, I'm going to agree with you. You know, I think that Arizona wins this one, but I think it's even stinkier than you think. Uh, <laughs> Arizona's got a new new coaching staff over there who's a defensive minded guy. I think their offense is pretty broken too, though. I think their defense was already really good. So I think this one really sucks. I think this is like 10-6. I think this is a piece of shit game. Nice. And the last one, our hated Dallas Cowboys are in Carolina. Um, You know, the betting public 
has um, Hugh Jackson or uh, Dirk Cutter as the first coach to be fired? Yes. I believe that Jason Garrett will be the first coach fired this year. Oof, hot take. I, I think this Cowboy team is terrible. I think the strength of this team is their offensive line that's banged up. They have nobody to throw to. None. Uh, I just think the team stinks. I think this team potentially could be 4-12, and 12, and I think they're going to have a rough start. They go into Carolina. I think, you know, I think Carolina wins something to the effect of, like, 27-10. I think the Giants go into Dallas the week after and beat them. They're 0-2. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, all the hot takes are about Jason Garrett's um, – Job security, his his security. So, I, I really think this team just falls to the you know the bottom falls out for him. I think it starts on Sunday. I think Carolina is a super overrated team this year. Um, I, I'm not really sure why everyone is on the Carolina bandwagon. I don't see a lot of talent there. Nevertheless, I think Dallas is even worse. I I, I agree with you. I think Dallas is terrible. Um, the biggest strength of their team is a huge asset, and it's the offensive line, but. You know they're banged up all over the place too, and Carolina's got a decent defensive line. I think they feast. I think Ezekiel Elliott has a shitty week, and he's pretty much the only guy on offense that I know by name. So, <laughs> I mean, and that should that should say something. So, yeah, I, I think Carolina wins this game. I, I think it might be like twenty four ten, twenty four thirteen, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Dallas loses, and this is this is a real chance for the Giants to you know make a splash into the division. If all three of these teams lose and they win, getting that one week up, one game ahead of everybody is enormous. Well, that's our show. Hope you guys have enjoyed last night's game of Philadelphia losing to Atlanta. I know I did. <laughs> um, we'll be right back on Tuesday morning after the game with our game review, uh, Jacksonville at the New York Giants. That's correct. And if you want to stop by, if... My flight makes it on time. We will be in the Jameson Rune for a quick, a couple of quick shots before the game starts. So around 12.30, 12.45, you want to say hi, meet us in the Jameson Room. If you come up to us and say, hey, are you the Grump and the Cranky fan, I guarantee you we will buy you a shot. Absolutely. That's a 100% guarantee. <laughs> they see our mugs every week. And where do they see our mugs? When they download us on iTunes and SoundCloud, they okay. see our picture where you can get each episode of the Just Giants podcast. Uh, leave us a nice five-star rating and a review so we can reach out to more Giant fans. The preseason was worth something. That was a perfect plug. I'm working on my segues and my plugs. So, <laughs> All right, everyone. Go Giants. Giants. <laughs>